Hey, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 435 of the JV Club with my guest, Zach Selwyn. He is a prolific host, writer, podcaster, comedian, musician, and uh, the guy I lost my virginity to. Let's get it right out there. Let's get it right out there. But he's so much more than that in my life. And we have stayed friends, lo, these many years from the dusty saguaro ridden streets of tucson arizona to here in los angeles just a handful of years later a handful of years uh and uh and so it's kind of criminal that i haven't had him on the podcast yet and we managed to make it happen and that's why he is a boy of summer that's happening after labor day which i usually use as my cutoff so i hope you enjoy this episode it's very candid and uh i hope everyone's doing well staying safe and taking care of yourself Okay, Zach Selwyn, uh, you and I have known each other since, I guess, junior high. I met you at Torrin Anderson's bar mitzvah party. Unbelievable. Um, that is crazy. Unbelievable. I have like a journal entry from that time of my life, which I think I've shared with you over the years, like 25 years ago, but hilarious. I can't, I mean, I know you have, but I can't remember. I mean, I absolutely know you have, but I can't remember exactly what it said. All I remember was we met young, 13 years old or something. And like, yeah, I mean, we would have been if he was, yeah, if he just turned 13. And it was just like an instant, like we just started hanging out and I was like, dancing we danced and i wasn't like a dancer but in my journal i wrote something like i met this girl her name is janet uh she's really beautiful and funny and oh my god we even danced one slow one and two fasties that's right that's right i remember two fasties now two fasties and i I think i wrote down the songs were like it was like erasure and like something else i don't even know but maybe oh that song God. what's that great song by one in rome i'm sorry but i'm just thinking oh that, yeah the promise. The, that, promise the promise that's a great song i love that song i guess every wait, time that... that comes on to this day i'm like that was one of my fasties <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that that kind of that as you said it it sort of fell in between in my mind i was like it, i mean it's not a slow song for sure but it's also not like right. it's not like you know baby got back right. like it's, it's not, not like it's like it's not that kind of fasty no you know? it's not a party starter necessarily um, it's a mid bar mitzvah oh, sleigh you know it's a it's a mid bar mitzvah <laughs> hipster right uh alt music sleigh i mean that's oh, pretty yeah. that's pretty impressive no i you know what you should find that at some point and i will find mine because i guarantee you i also have of course an entry which i'm sure we've talked about and i'm pretty sure i say like and he was a really good dancer <laughs> He nailed when in Rome. So there's, the a, there's a real... <laughs> and that's a tough one because it's not totally a fasty. It's really not. Um, it's, it lies in between. There's some awkward but, moves in there somewhere. That's right. That's right. But that was definitely one of those like, you know, we went to different junior highs and I had like, you know, having that because Torn and I were so close and you and Torn were so close and having that sort of friend connection was like, do you ask Torin about that person or like how do you what do you what happens after you don't see each other because you're not going to the same school right and then and yeah this is pre obviously pre any you know text or any email communication so it was like you had the phone and and there wasn't like a you know like my son is freaking almost 16 years old now and i watched the way so bonkers it's so crazy but he's like seeing people from different schools regularly and like that wouldn't happen if janet was going to utter back and i was going to townsend (laughs) there was no way to connect like it was either a phone call at like seven after 7 p.m that was it yeah and then i and then i feel like i and then i feel like someone told me like maybe later that semester or something someone told me that you were going out with one of the twins <laughs> oh wow is that true i don't think so wait which i don't even know who the twins are but there maybe were these two girls there were these two girls who i think 
lived in the neighborhood where my mom lived okay. um, because I would have gone to Townsend if I, if my mom had had custody of me. And they were two they were two blonde girls. Oh right. And I think their name started with J. It's Gen- possible they one were girl's like name was like Jennifer, Jeanette or something. Jeanette. Which, so, by the way, talk about adding insult to injury. Right. How dare she be named Jeanette? That's like that's like a uh, Jerry Seinfeld's like right. upside down world. <laughs> Janet and Jeanette. Yes, yeah, the God upside. Damn it. No, you were definitely like at that point in my life, the only girl I was ever who would ever like really see anything in me because my school was very much about the who has the sickest mullet and the latest, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> Air Maxes. And I was like kind of a little bit more artsy, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, you you definitely were. I mean, I remember it's funny because I I didn't you didn't do like theater stuff like in school with me when we were in high school right. together. Um, and I definitely thought of you as like being very artistic, but being like very into music. And um, and then you ended up going to USC and totally like got into the kind of theater and film community there. Right. And yeah. Yeah. I think so you, know, you started all of that way before I right. did. After well, all the, after all my dumb plays I did at, <laughs> in our high school. I remember in high uh, school because we went to high school. Obviously, for those of you listening who are really interested in Janet and I's lifetime together, we ended up uh-huh. at the same high school and you were in the theater department there. And I was sort of like trying to make the basketball team, but I was playing guitar and I was also in like the local theater scene doing like the wizard of oz at anchi israel and all that but always dreamt of it always dreamt of like wanting to break out and then in summer school where i met your boy pj Byrne, oh i went to the summer school i don't know if i knew you knew pj it's so crazy when we were freshmen after my freshman year of high school i went to exeter summer school just to like have another experience in life and i was in the play there was working by studs turkle (laughs) <laughs> and PJ and I were in the cast and I was the fireman and he played like the bag, the grocery store bag boy or whatever. But yeah, I remember very well. I was great. like, this guy is so talented. I was like, he's really good. And I was, of course, was like, well, I'm, I'm probably the best here. Uh-huh. Best actor here. <laughs> but he's really good and he's more diverse and he can sing. And I was like, I better add some like talents. But then when PJ moved to L.A. and in like, gosh, 2000 or something, I was doing pretty well, like commercially. I'd done a bunch of commercials. Yeah. And I started to see him on commercial auditions. And I'm like, dude, do you remember me? And he's like, yeah, I do. And so I met PJ in that theater community back when we were 14. And now you and him are the stars of what show is it? I should know. I'm sorry. This isn't my podcast. This is yours. But petered out. Cora. I don't know. And then you guys got tremendous success the world over. On some show. The legend of Zora. Is it Zoro? Close it up. Close it up. I came in 53rd in the giveaway for the uh, anime (laughs) thing yesterday on Instagram. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, he. That's that's so funny. Well, and two, I think I think I forgot that he ever did any kind of theater stuff because he loves talking about being a finance guy um, and that that was sort of what he was going to college for and that he ended up going to an audition with a friend like just for funsies oh, and then wow. got the part. And so this is very good information for me and anyone else listening because now I can go back and be like, oh, somebody was interested in theater and was mm-hmm. doing theater. Because I feel he may have left that out. I'll have to listen to his Boys of Summer episode and see if he just fucking lied. He right lied. Face. He was awesome. He was very funny. He was sort of like the, the director of the play's favorite. And I was very jealous of him. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know. Like, does he have the look... You know, because at the time I was very much like into the 90210, like my hair is perfect. And he was sort of this sort of, you know, a little nerdier. Yeah. But God, he's a great actor. What a career. Yeah. What a career, man. Unbelievable. I wish that when you ran into him that you would say, I did become a fireman. You think that you thought I was into theater, but I that for me was a life changer because I became a fireman. I put out fires. That's what I do. <laughs> no, but we've run into each other in the neighborhood a few times. And it's always like a good mutual admiration society, you know. Can't believe we're yeah. still here. I mean, if you're still in this business at our age, doing anything creative, I think it's a win. You know? Oh, totally, totally. And I know. I mean, I think you and I are very similar in that we, you know, as you're talking about, like feeling like you need to have more that you can offer when you're at this Exeter summer school. Um, we both have that sort of jack of all trades thing where we're just really interested in a lot of different things and kind of try our hand at a bunch of different stuff, and that doesn't necessarily put you in a place where 
Like you're not the go-to person for this one thing because that's all you do. And Correct. You, and all you did was put yourself out into the world as this guy. And so, you know, you have all these different things going on um, that you're amazing at all of them. But it's but you, because you didn't say, well, I'm just going to be the white freestyle <laughs> rapper who's adorable. Like and that's it. And they'll never offer up anything else to anyone, you know, like maybe that would have been something that you would have been like, you know, you would have been like, I can't believe I'm on this world tour. I don't even like this that much Absolutely. I, I mean, you know? honestly, uh, th- basically, I look at your career and your life and my life, and I'm like, God, Janet and I like really had these parallel existences for a long time. And yeah. for me, I remember when I first got into Hollywood when I was 22, just out of USC, I was like, that's it. I'm only an actor, and I write screenplays. That's it. That's all I'm doing. You know, yeah. and I focused really hard on it. And I ended up DJing bar mitzvahs for seven years. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you get a commercial here. And I always play the promise. I and start, I always dedicate it to mi- you. Mid bar mitzvah sleigh. <laughs> this goes out to JV. <laughs> I, <laughs> I um, was definitely focused on one thing. And I had all these friends who were like pursuing everything. Like, dude, I'm a musician. I act. I do this. And I was like, well, I can do music. I'm like, I know I can do that. I'm like, do I try to do that? And then one day, like that hit me and I started doing something else and then something else. And I'm like, wait a minute, I got to just do what I want to do in life. And ever since I started doing that, my career changed, my life changed, my outlook on everything yeah. changed. And you know, yeah, I didn't become little Dicky necessarily where you have some huge, massive success story and become little Dicky. And that's who you are. Like you right. kind of fly a little more under the radar. And I think for me it was better. Cause I think if I would have ever hit it big young, like I always wanted to, when I was younger, it would have been a real disastrous like ride through my thirties. You know? Oh my god, I to- I totally get it. I don't I mean I I I've said many times on the podcast if I had come down to LA any earlier um I just wouldn't have had the, any of the emotional tools to handle much of anything. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? I just would have been I I I want I want to believe that I would have been you know that I would have been someone who would come would, who would come like fresh out of high school if I skipped college or whatever and like felt still like I had a presence of mind to know who I was or to know what my morals were and all of that. I just don't know if that's true at all. Like, I feel like I had to grow up to be the person I was Absolutely. to even be able to hand the, like, immediate crippling confusion and, like, ups and downs. Um, and it's like, we're lucky if we have those ups and downs. But when you're in the down cycle, you do not feel lucky. You feel like, why am I torturing myself with this? You know, yeah. why do I l- yeah. allow myself to to feel this feeling like as a regular as part of my job it's it's intense it's you know? really intense and like you said like i was here during those times you know i was in la doing all this since i was tw- basically 22 even though at usc i didn't really pursue it in that professional way yeah but right afterwards i was like well that's it i'm out of college i'll probably just go on an audition get a sitcom and i'm on my way right. you know <laughs> And then you right. re- you get hit real quick with the reality of like, dude, you're still 10 years behind the kids who started here when they were oh 10 God. or whatever. And I've lost a lot of friends over the years in that world. And a lot of the people who I started out with, most of them, I'd say 95% of them are gone. They're out of this industry. And, oh, sure. uh, you know, so the fact that I somehow survived that early 20s emotional down, like you said, it's, it's I mean, I remember when you came to visit one time. Yeah. Once when I was like right out of school, well. we were hanging out and I was like, how come you're not down here? Like pursuing this. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready yet. And I was like, OK. But then you did yeah. SF Sketchfest, and then that took off. And I was like, wow, she's killing it. You know, and then uh, when you got here, you were ready. So, yeah, I think it was all it's all there for a reason, you know. Absolutely. Um, let's. Uh, well, I guess I need to go. I mean, listen, I've got to go back to high school because uh, that's what my podcast is about. And we definitely dated in high school and we're friends and went to prom together. Yeah. And all of that. So I should go. I should. I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards a little bit. Um, so in high school, as Zach mentioned, we were on the same campus. Anybody who's listened to my podcast more than 10 episodes has probably found out one way or another that my school was two schools in one, uh, a university. They were both like part of the Tucson Unified School District, right? Yeah. But you, but you test into university high, I guess. Is that how it worked? Yeah. So you had to test or in just ac- go academically. To you had to, I don't know how many kids they take a year, but it was like 200 or something, something like that. You had to test in and 
somehow I managed to get into this high school of like gifted, advanced people. Like I basically, I don't know what I did. I just, I think I had a diversity portfolio that they liked, you know, like uh-huh. whatever it was. I got into this school and then you were at Rincon. And I was. I tested into University High, but my dad was an English teacher at Rincon. Right. And I was so snobby about <laughs> wanting to have all of the um, the Rincon English teachers because I had grown up with them all that I ended up going to to Rincon anyway. And then, you know, you take like your languages through UHS and and then all the fine arts stuff is and performing arts stuff is is combined. Yeah. Wow. What a trip. Man, I was yeah, yeah. So yeah, we met in high. We met in junior high. We ended up in high school together. And, and when we when we met in junior high, we didn't end up going out. Like we definitely had sort of crushes on each other, and then we just kind of went back to our lives. Right. As, I think I, as, it had like, a lot as they were a lot to do with me being very aware of like my mother's involvement, and being like, "Who's the skill you're talking to? What, what's going on here? Does she have pancreatic? I'm, I'm glad you brought her up because I I genuinely was like, <laughs> I I'm pretty sure I always thought your mom hated me, and I didn't. I was like, but I've had such little interaction with her. <laughs> and I'm not saying she was that she did, but like she but I have a memory of her being like like I have a memory of or or some sort of sense memory of thinking like, I don't think she liked me very much. I don't even know if she ever met you. Like, it's I don't just... even know if she did. too. I think maybe I met her one time, like in passing. So weird. But why would I? And I don't, I don't know. In eighth grade, yeah. I think I was very shy, very insecure, very afraid of like revealing any sort of like crush to my mom and. Yeah. Unfortunately, as much as I was like, oh, man, I really like this girl. I just wasn't ready. And then, you know, a few years later, here we go. We're like 16. And, you know, we start dating in high school. And I was still probably afraid to admit anything, you know, because I was, I don't know. It's tough. Jewish mothers, Janet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> she she did. I, I mean, you, I remember you saying that. She was like, look, you know, you because you were very, you know, you you were at the JCC. All, like I had I've also said many times that I absolutely was so envious of like all of my Jewish friends, of which I had many. I mean, there was definitely a point in my life where my friends were either like Latinx or Jewish and there was nothing in between. <laughs> it was like, that's it. Two, that's Those Tucson, are my two baby. friend groups. That's yeah, Tucson. exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> and so I was really, I, I definitely, I think I, I felt like that sort of longing to belong in that world because it was like, you know, Torn was going over the JCC and Rachel and Karen and Shannon were all at the JCC or they were going to Jewish summer camp or, and, you know, was going to all those bar and bat mitzvahs to the point where I was like reciting along. And, um, and so, I, you know, I had that, I think I did have that sense like right or wrong because I did go out with a lot of Jewish boys Shout out to Zev Rubin. Shout out to Eli Greenstein. The homies. Shout out to Stefan Schachter. <laughs> Shout out to like, <laughs> and like, I really had that sort of like, oh no, like I'm a shiksa. Like, oh, <laughs> in every sense of the word. Right. I have blonde hair and blue eyes. I look like a Nazi. This is not good. That's and why Jews not, were so, it, like by I the way, control. this is why every Jewish kid was attracted to you. They're like, I can <laughs> finally, my dream shiksa. <laughs> <laughs> Oh you know. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I so so that was definitely a world that that I was that I was yeah. like, very very fond of and um, and had that sort of sense of like oh I don't fit I don't quite fit there. Um, but yeah, and your sister remind me your sister's she's older than you. No, she's two years she's younger. younger. She went to Sabino. Okay. I thought so, but she then I to, got scared. Yeah, <laughs> and she then my younger brother is seven years younger than me. Okay. Yeah, I but, didn't have a lot of interaction with either of your right, no. siblings. But I mean, by, and by the way, it's not like we didn't go out for like a year either. No, <laughs> it's it was like a I couple mean, months. <laughs> it was like three or four months, but they were, you know, I remember it very well because I was definitely aware of feelings that I was like, this is too deep for me. Like, I'm not ready to get into this at age 16, 17. I was like, I, this is the kind of person I end up like spending a long time with and i think at the time i was like i'm still like i want to go out and see the world and sure you know but i remember the things that we shared back then which is you know this is 1991 whatever 92 you know i still hear songs from that time i still hear music and, and moments and like remember things and i'm like god i remember that driving yeah. or sitting outside your dad's house in my the backseat of my dodge lancer uh -huh. you know <laughs> 
<laughs> listening to Fields of Gold on repeat, you know. Totally. Like all these. Oh my god! It's like you picked a car, or your parents picked a car <laughs> yeah. that would become a punchline <laughs> in the future. That's like I was driving the road to Wellville of cars. I was driving. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're gonna take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week on Bullseye, David Byrne on the talking heads, easing back into live performance, and the magic of doo-wop. You don't get it very much, people doing dip 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 whoa-whoa, You don't get a lot of that. <laughs> Listen to Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. I mean, I knew what I was getting myself into when I said I wanted to have you on. I'm, I've thought about having you on and talked about having you on for quite some time now. But, like, I lost my virginity to you. You did not lose your virginity to me. You definitely had sex with one person before that one, one. time. I, was it really your first time? I thought it was your second No, you no, had... I told you it was my first time for sure. You, oh, my God. Yeah. And then after we stopped seeing each other, I didn't, like, sleep with anybody again until I was a freshman in college. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't, I, it, I, it's not because I was like scarred for life. Cause you and I right. remained totally, we remained friends and like pals. And obviously like the year after we went to prom together and stuff, but I, but it was interesting because I definitely like, I don't, I don't remember making any kind of decision one way or the other about you about like having sex with you versus not having sex with people I dated when I was a senior. It just wasn't something I wanted to do, you know? And and so, but, but like, that's an interesting kind of, it's like an interesting case study for people who are like, well, you can never go back. Like once you start sleeping, you know, once you start having sex, like you, you continue to do that no matter what. And it wasn't like, I was like, I can't, I'm not going to do it again for another year. Right. I just didn't, wow. I just like, I wasn't, I, the people that I was dating, uh, were just not people that I ended up wanting to have sex with for whatever reason. I remember all of it, man. I remember like every single moment. I don't know why I remember this stuff. Maybe because I never did hard drugs in my life. But like I, <laughs> I remember like <laughs> the songs. I remember your bedroom. I remember the LA story poster on the wall. I remember your oh. dad's like living room couch. I remember all of it. Oh man. I don't know how. I'm so glad you do. I do. And I think back fondly and I'm like, God, like what a different, it's a lifetime ago. You know, yeah. it's just amazing when I see where we both ended up in this world, in this like living in within a mile of each other here in Hollywood, <laughs> like, so working great. in the comedy and <laughs> acting world still yeah. to this day. I'm like, what the yeah. fuck? Like, why? I know. It's crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. And yeah, I think, you know, I had uh, I I think for for me with you there, I felt the same way in that, like. I definitely felt like it's interesting when you feel like you give like you you give more access to a person uh, than you give other people emotionally and otherwise. But then somehow that also means that you're pushing them away more or that you're protecting yourself more. Like, huh, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, I feel like there was there was that that level of vulnerability is like so it's like precarious when you're a teenager yeah and the yeah. like i had levels of confidence in other situations with other people that i hooked up with or was went out with or whatever that i couldn't apply to you and i hanging out and so there was there was like this sort of tempestuous to it nest to it that was like like which one of us feel like okay but you're not gonna like do you feel more than I do? Like, do I, do I feel, should I tell you if I, like, there's just so much, there was so much kind of stumbling and, um, and lot. then you came back from, yeah. And then you came back from, it was a camp, any town, fucking camp, any town, that cult, <laughs> that mind. Remember when, because remember when, before you went, we were both joking. You were like, oh my God. I was like, I, I was like, they, I, they say it's kind of cultish. And you were like, yeah, I'll probably like come back and break up with you. And we were like, ha 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 ha. Oh my and God. You came back and, then... and you totally broke up with me. <laughs> oh yes i fucking hated it i hated every single second of it i still think of that i'm like what a dick what the fuck happened like what did that what did that place convince me what i don't understand <sighs> it's i mean we should write you and i should write a movie together about that because that is a, was an amazing development unbelievable 
And honestly, what happened was, and I'll be honest with you now, all these years later, when I went there, like the girl, like the biggest, like hot Phoenix, whatever girl there (laughs) was totally into me. And she was like, I want to be with you. And I was like, I have a girlfriend. And she's like, I don't care. And I was like, no, I I do care. (laughs) And I was like, I I can't do this. You know, and basically I was like, what am I doing? I could have just like had sex with the hottest girl in Phoenix, but I'm with this girl in Tucson who I'm like falling in love with at age 16. This is bullshit. So that's all it was. It was just me being a stupid, horny teenager. And I mean, the, you you have every right. I mean, the, like that's one of the craziest things about doing the podcast is talking to people who had those long term relationships. And you and I both knew, knew people in high school, but it wasn't that pervasive that like when people would say, when people say to me, like, yeah, I had the same girlfriend from sophomore year through my freshman year of college. Right. Um, I'm like, wow, I don't understand that. Like, yeah. I, 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 it's, it's wonderful. And it, I'm sure, you know, it, it created like a maturity, a level of maturity or a different kind of maturity, different kind of high school experience than I had. I just can't, I just, even then when, it, when people were in relationships at that age, I was like, I don't understand how like because a month feels like a year oh my god yeah my sister had a boyfriend all through high school she stayed loyal to him through like her first year of college and then it like ended but basically that was her those years that you know i'm like how'd you what are you doing like how do you yeah keep focused you know nowadays the years fly by like a day and back then a day was a year it's just insane yeah and yeah absolutely going to like going out of town going to a different place, going to camp, going to summer school, anytime that you're being hit with like new stimuli. I mean, it's actually, I've, I'm totally glad you told me because that is even better in a way because it was already like adorable and funny looking back that we made those jokes. But wow. now the idea that <laughs> you tried to sell it to me, like like it like it was camp any town like like the, as if you had it was matured, the camp you'd matured past like i know we said it was cool but like you don't understand the experience there is just very it's very extraordinary and um <laughs> as if like as if you would become like a buddhist and instead it was just like some hot girl was like i mean the, there was, was like, the buddhist element of it too you. like they definitely convinced yeah. you like you're better than anything you think you are Right. You know, <laughs> but yeah, there was definitely a hot girl involved, of course. Ah, that's wonderful. Unbelievable. It makes, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It and then I, got, I remember sense. I got home and our our friend Torin was like, what What the fuck did you do, dude? And I was like, man, you don't understand, man. You know, but I yeah. think ultimately it was just like I wanted to be, I don't know. This wasn't weird. I think if we would have met 10 years later, who the fuck knows? But, you know, timing and is everything in the world, right? Uh oh, I lost you. I don't know if you can still hear me, but just keep recording. Don't hit stop. But it's true that I can't hear you. Wonderfuls, it's me. And um, so, I, if it's not clear, uh, Zach and I lost each other on the Zoom. It froze, and I can no longer hear him. And so we absolutely squared that away. But I didn't know what he was saying until after we finished recording, and then. Julian put together a rough cut for me and I I didn't know that he was saying something really lovely when I was muttering that I couldn't hear him anymore and I just thought it was so cute and uh, kind of charming that he was talking about timing being everything as I was saying I didn't understand what he was saying and I couldn't hear him anymore so I just wanted to leave that little snippet in there and then we reconnected and continued talking and um, we were talking about the time that we three-way called Gary Shandling's mom who was in the phone book because we were such huge Gary Shandling fans that uh, I don't know what we were thinking but this is us talking about it enjoy the rest of the episode uh, I had Ellen Zweibel on um, yeah. my podcast and uh, we talked for like an hour and a half and he was supposed to be recording on his side and he, he didn't Nice. and so we had to do the whole thing over again like two days later we're a lot closer now. Right. All, he and Three I are a hours. lot closer now. Yeah. yeah. We've come, I've really come a long way from, uh, from crank calling Gary Shanling. <laughs> Gary Shanling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh I my almost God. told Alan about that. I almost was like, or maybe I did tell him. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past me to tell him that. But like, because we were so polite about it. We were just like. <laughs> yeah, we really felt like, we're, we're so sorry, Mrs. Shanley. We, oh, we didn't think it just... would work. We didn't think that we would actually talk. Like, we didn't think that. You know, we didn't know that Gary Shanley's mom was actually going to answer. And then when right. we said, can I speak to Gary, that she very politely was like, oh, I'm so sorry. He's not he's not actually here. Can I take him? Like, we were like panicked, panicked. We were so nervous. <laughs> Prank calling Gary Shanley. He was like all we had from Tucson. We had Gary Shanley. But like, and... well, we weren't really prank calling him because what would we do? It's not we loved him. So it's not like right. we were like, we weren't going to be like, hey, fuck you, Gary. And like, hang up and laugh. Do you know what I mean? Like we were, there was no forethought because no, it was a, if it was he like had gotten a, on the phone and been like, hello, we would have been like, hey, well, we should, we should re- talk to him. I mean, we fucking got him on the really phone. really good. <laughs> <laughs> we want, we want to be like you when we grow up. Exactly. Exactly. Which also, I, mean, I think I of him s- as having been like, I think of him as been like, having been like 50 back then because adults were just like all really old. Right. He was like but 31. Like, yeah. Was, he was like, was not Jesus. much older. Exactly Unbelievable. right. Exactly right. I mean, I was going to say that documentary where he like says he drove up to Phoenix to meet George Carlin and like gave him like a notebook full of jokes and yes. that like got him started. I was like, that's the kind of stuff we were doing. We just exactly. called his mom instead. Exactly. You know? But we were in the same mindset. We had the yeah, same ideas. We're, yeah, we're just as brilliant as Carrie Shanley. Yeah, exactly. Come on, world. It's so obvious. It's, it's so obvious. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to, at some point soon, I'll get into this uh, MASH game with you, which I'm very excited to hear what your answers are going to be. Is it Mansion Apartment Shack House? Oh, hell yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll get into that in, in a minute. But let's talk about the music that we were into in high school, because that, you're right, that was really, that was like so important to both of us. And again, I talk to people on the podcast who are like, eh, I just listen to whatever was on the radio or, you know, I was really into musicals. And so I kind of only knew musicals. Hmm. Um, But we were very much in the same place of like really getting a ton out of music and kind of leaning on music emotionally, you know? Yeah, that's where like my everything came from was just listening to CDs or my pullout tape deck. Uh (laughs) You know, but yeah, I mean, I can remember, you know, certain songs that uh, we were into. I was very like, it's when I look back at it, like being that age and listening to Sting and Dire Straits and Jackson Brown. I'm like, that's not like what an average teenager is bumping that's right. in the 90s. Like we obviously had Nirvana, Pearl Jam and all that yeah. shit. And hip hop was, of course, huge for me. Yeah. But to have that like sort of sensitive singer songwriter side was always like. I guess I'm a little bit of a pussy, aren't I? You know, <laughs> Crosby, Stills, and Nash. You know, like all that shit. I was into all. I was into all of it. But I remember, like, our songs were, you know, what, like, basically the Romeo and Juliets, the Yeah, Why Should I Cry for You yeah. by Sting, the Broken Arrow by Robbie Robertson. Oh my God, good you know? call. Yeah, 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 yeah. You introduced me to that song. I remember. Yeah, that was one of the first songs I learned to play on guitar. Oh. I was, like, I, better, I was like, I better learn this one. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a big. My dad loved the band, and he got me into that Robbie Robertson CD. And I still, I actually listened to it the other day for the first time in God knows how long, and was right. like, this yeah. is pretty damn good. It's a good record. Really yeah, your dad good. had a great music collection. Yeah, he def he definitely definitely did, um, and still does. But he's yeah. he you know he sort of wound down in terms of like finding new artists and right. you know you sort of understand like when someone's in their mid 70s like they yeah, have a he's lot not into to little, from. he's not in a little uzi vert or anything <laughs> if he is he's hiding it from me <laughs> if he is right. he's definitely hiding it from me <laughs> yeah i mean those th- that stuff like were you doing any were you doing any writing back then were you writing like like were you writing anything were you like were you writing um stories or like poetry or your own songs like all of it i mean i wrote short stories since i was like five my mom claims like but it was all sports stuff yeah like football stories and things like that and then i in high school i started writing 
a lot of like Woody Allen-ish kind of fiction. I read all his books and I know you can't really talk about Woody Allen anymore, but you're allowed to talk about the part of your life that was heavily (laughs) featured him. That's the tough thing about all of this is like, you can't, you can't remove a fondness that you used to have. You can decide that he poisoned your, you know, himself in terms of like, you know, but that doesn't, you, I, I don't believe in going back and like revising your own emotional history because you got something it. out of it and you yeah. are the person you are uh, in part because of being inspired by that work. And that is not your fault. Do you know what I mean? Like that's I guess that's how I feel about it is like that's not it's no one's fault. If someone loves Michael Jackson's music, that doesn't mean that they're like, let me tell you what I'm on board for everything else about him. Like, you know. And for some of us, like, it's hard. Right. You, you go back and maybe it's harder to listen to it again now kind of thing. Like, and for some people, it's not. For some people can make that separation really easily. Right. Um, like, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Ryan Adams fan. Yeah. Huge. Like, I've loved the guy's music forever yeah. and ever. And what happened to him is, like, what happened to him. And obviously, but now he does these live Instagrams and I'm watching him every night because it's like watching a little bit of a genius train wreck at the same time. Yeah. But I feel sort of like, am I allowed to watch him? Right, right. Or am I like, are people going to fucking give me shit for it? Like, it's just so weird. I agree with you. I love what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, I, back then I was writing a lot of that stuff. I didn't really write, start writing songs until uh, I got into college, I think. And it was another artist that I remember, Jackson Brown, that came from your dad or something. And I remember being like, that's my guy. Yeah. I was like, that's what I want to write. I want to be this sensitive, like, Laurel Canyon, California you know, desert child. And that was, that was in my mind. That's what I was in reality. It was a little different, but you know, I see it. <laughs> I definitely it all see started. it. I definitely see it. And you started playing, <laughs> I mean, you started playing live music and stuff. It's been a minute. Like you've been doing that for quite some time, right? Yeah, and my you band, just released a new I, album. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. My band's um, 20th anniversary <sighs> will be next year, which is insane. But I remember you had, you were like doing a singer songwriter thing too at a very young age. Yeah, like in your early twenties. Yeah, my when I was in college, I <laughs> I played an occasional coffee shop, and yeah. then when I moved to San Francisco, I was in a band like a like a four just a four person band, um, but not yeah, but I, yeah. you know I was I did not commit to it the way that you've committed and and stayed committed. Um, yeah, right. It's funny because I remember that so well. I was like, oh wow, I didn't know that was happening, and then because at the time I was so afraid to play a guitar and sing in front of people because i really don't have the greatest voice but it's like you know i have a something there and i was like i want to be doing what i can do the best and what i could do back then was freestyle rap and so i started getting on stage with my friends bands and rapping and that's what kind of changed my whole direction because some dude saw me and was like i want to give you a record deal he goes you're he, this is a direct quote and you're gonna fucking love this he goes you're like my dawson's creek eminem <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and i was like uh wait a minute what and, and he's like here's a thousand dollars i'm like i'm in <laughs> so it's so beautifully hollywood too in that like sometimes i feel utter contempt for it and sometimes i have oh. like such a fondness for it but the the sort of, like you really have to buy into the comps you have to buy into like yep. taking two other things that mush together that you can then describe as your thing or if you're a producer you can mush them together to describe your new person yep. that you're repping or whatever that's no, amazing yeah. i mean <laughs> <laughs> so i cut a record i made a record in 2000 a hip-hop album under the name of zachariah yeah and i was like what am i doing you know very aware that it was just like oh we need white rappers in the world because eminem was selling out everywhere back then right and i was like am i a white rapper uh-huh. <laughs> And I was like, I want to do other shit. So I started yeah. combining it with country. And I was like, I want to do like a Eagles meets like G Love and Special Sauce was kind of my original idea to mix rap and country. And then I did that. And I think I was honestly, now it's the hugest genre in the world, hip hop country with Little Nas X and Florida Georgia yeah, Line and all these guys. But back then, I think I was really one of the first people to do it. And, you know, I mean, what, what do they say, you know? ahead of your time behind on your rent yeah yeah absolutely no i mean i definitely feel like you were the only person that i knew that was that was doing that and also like really owning the like feeling a love for tucson and kind of owning that and 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 using it within your kind of creative identity in a way that 
I it took me a really I don't know what because I love Tucson and it's not that I ever hated Tucson, but I remember thinking when you know I was I would look at people like you who were embracing that and leaning into it more, like a, this sort of sense of wonder because you know I was so I wanted to be San Franciscan so bad you know right, and I want right. I identified so hard with Northern California and was so excited to you know just up and move there when I was nineteen that I. I couldn't, I didn't want, I was like pushing myself as far away from the desert kind of vibe as I could. And, and, and now I have, like, I love it so much. I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, obviously I've loved it now for like, I've, I've felt that connection to it and felt that pride for where I come from for, you know, at least a decade. But when you were already like leaning into that, I definitely wasn't there yet. And so I definitely was like, oh, That's wow, so he's like crazy. really captured. Because I was like, Torn and I would have conversations where, you know, he would be like, no, it's so cool because like he really like he's like does Tucson proud. And, you know, he's like the the sort of country freestyle, like in a weird way, like really works for even just like the vibe of Tucson in a sense. And I don't know. I just thought that was really cool because, again, I, I was like, that. I was you know- so like uh, San Francisco. I lo- uh, No, fog, fog. You know, <laughs> I like fog. I like fog. Yeah. And 16 degrees in July. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, when I, I realized it because I was like you growing up there, I was like, get me the, the hell out of this city. Yeah. I need to go to L.A. I need to go where there's life and there's different people and I need to move on beyond this bullshit desert town. Fuck a cactus. Right. right. And then <laughs> I think it was probably about six months in L.A. living at USC going you know, in the, in the hood, basically, back then. Mm-hmm. And coming home and seeing God, the clear air and the, the desert and the serenity of it all and the peacefulness. And I was like, why would I ever say this was a bad place to grow up? I was like, this is a fucking this is gorgeous. And I started to really embrace it at that point and kind of realizing that, man, I, I have something. And then I wrote that song, Tucson Afternoon. Yeah. When I was like, gosh, 26 or something. That's great. And it was really like a celebration of the town. And it's sort of it's you're going to love this. <laughs> Like my new record came out and this dude who used to love that song called me a couple days ago and he's like, dude, what are you doing September 25th? I'm like, "Ah, what do you mean? He's like, I want you to come play a charity event in Tucson and like do that song and do some other stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. He goes, oh, and by the way, you're opening for Sugar Ray. Oh my God. Every morning there's a halo hanging on the corner. So I'm opening for Sugar Ray in Tucson. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I'm like me and Mark McGrath, man. Oh. We're gonna go to frickin' the Saddlehorn Saloon. Yes, that is so cool. So funny. Well, you were and you were freestyling. Like, I mean, that was something I knew about you when we were friends and when we were going out. But I, it's not like we I, we sat around and I was like, "Go ahead, freestyle, freestyle right. me something, do it." No, yeah. yeah when yeah. did you it start doing that. it? it was, like, when did like when it was just. It was kind of like just taking a guitar and being in a college dorm and just like singing songs off the top of your head. And then like you had a couple friends who thought they were like MCs uh-huh, always, uh-huh. you know, there was always a couple of MCs uh-huh. around. <laughs> and like you put on Dr. Dre or whatever, like a beat and then people would just start, oh, yo, drop something, drop something. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, I'm actually not bad at this. Yeah. I was like, I'm better than all these guys who really like consider themselves rappers. And I was like, this is really weird. Why am I just so good at rhyming? And I don't know what happened, but I started to kind of do it as like a party trick. Yeah. And then that led to like somehow getting on stage with my friend's band in Hollywood. And that led to like, you know, doing it with Matchbox 20 in front of like thousands of people in Santa Barbara. And I'm like, what is happening? That's so great. I was like, is this what I'm doing with my life? (laughs) It's very weird. But, you know, that's like how our lives are. I mean, when we're like you and I, people who do a lot of different things one day you're doing that and the next day you're a voiceover actress or an actor and the next day you are a host on espn right and the next day you're starring in your own show like you know whatever that show what's that other show you were on that i can't think of (laughs) oh my god how dare you (laughs) i'm kidding but you know but that's the weird thing about like what you talked about earlier is if it all happened in one thing at the at that one time i think it's a much faster and quicker yeah a satellite ride than it is when you're able to string out a, a real career out of it and then... for sure and 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 i think ideally skirt past a feeling of obsolescence like that's the scariest thing about like huge success is the fear and the potential that you know you become less 
cool at some point rather than just being like, look, I'm a, I, this is my job. It's my career. I'm in it for the long haul. Right. I've, I have ups and downs, but it's consistent. And like, there that's it. There's, that's, it's much scarier to me to imagine peaking at like 23 and there be like go. being on 90210, quite frankly. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. being like, yeah, yeah. and then you're sort of only associated with, with a thing that feels like it's over or something. And so I, I remember when I was very young, everyone was like, dude, you have like a real Freddie Prince Jr. quality about uh-huh. you. You're going to be like on that level of an actor. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait. <laughs> All I can say is, thank God, you <laughs> know, right. like, I wasn't in Scooby Doo the movie. <laughs> like, I I mean, th- that to me would have been like, oh, my God, my dreams came true back then. But that's it. Right. You know, very few people can turn that around and, and keep it going right. when you have that much. I know. I remember when you came to LA, right when you moved out here, and you did something with Brian Regan on Comedy Central. Oh no, it was think... uh, it was um, Norm McDonald. Okay, yeah, because I don't know Regan, I... but yeah, I did. I okay, yeah, I was so it was on... Nor- whatever it was. But you yeah. were like, I did this pilot, and it didn't go, and I don't know what else to do. And I was like, if you've done that much already, you're on your way. Like you're gonna be fine. You know. Wow. I remember that. I was like, dude, you're gonna be good, and you got you're getting it at the right time, and like, just be happy it didn't happen where you were. 23. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hey, podcast fan. We'd like to get a better idea of who you are and what you care about. So we have a quick favor to ask. If you have a few minutes to spare, please go to MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. There, we've got a short anonymous survey that will take about five minutes to fill out. Plus, if you finish it, you'll get a 10% discount on merch at the MaxFun store. MaxFun shows have always relied on support from our members and always will. This survey will help keep the few ads we do run interesting and relevant to you. That's MaximumFun.org slash ad survey. A-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y. All one word. And thanks for your help. All right, I want to get into this mash game because I do. I am excited. All right, yeah, we could go, dude. You and I oh, could go for, on forever, and on. forever, forever, forever. We forever. should have a coffee or something. I, would love I don't it. know. Like, I mean, listen, we've I'd been love it. Well, part of it is like I think, yeah. There's, there's. This happens to me especially with friends of mine that live nearby. Weirdly, like right. I for some reason instead of like because you're like, well, we just live right down the street from each other. We could totally hang out. Then you don't. Because you're exactly. like, we just live right down the street from each other versus someone where we'll you're see like, each other you live in Venice, right. so we really have to make this plan and we'll meet in yeah. the middle and da 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 da. And then pandemic. But yeah, I'm, I would, I'm totally <laughs> right. into that. Um, I am, okay, so this is exciting. Uh, first, first category that I would like to give to you is three musicians that you, that we're going to sort of create this alternate, alternate universe where you have, no one is dead, no band has broken up, whatever, you know, mm. you, you have access to uh, anybody, three bands or singer songwriters that you can collaborate with on something. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Coming in hot. Bob Dylan. Great. Um. Everyone like you, they they can be dead, right? Yes. Graham Parsons. Nice. And uh, just for fun, Slick Rick. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the ruler. Oh, you know what? That made me. Th- the, Slick Rick did not make me think of this. Uh, but I meant to say I read this book about Laurel Canyon, the Laurel Canyon music scene in the '60s, and I thought of you, and I meant to tell you that I think you would really like it. I bet I've read it. Have you already read it? It came out. <laughs> What's it called? It's. It might be called Laurel Canyon. Uh, yeah, I've, I've read that. Did one. you read it? You read it, but like, yeah, I've read it all. I yeah. read every single piece of history from like, yeah, I, it was so great. That world. It was. It was so, so great. Good. I didn't. There's. I real. I did not realize there was that much I didn't know about Frank Zappa because like. I've sort right. of have yeah. I've known Moon for a really really long time just through mutual friends and stuff and I think I sort of thought I understood who Frank Zappa was and I I didn't like I have a much yeah. better sense of him now than I did you know Yeah they really get into him he was like the king of Laurel Canyon yeah. for a good 20 years Yeah it's crazy okay all right uh got those next let's do three movies that you can jump into and hang out in whenever you want you're not reliving the plot you're just like able to access those worlds oh man this is a great <laughs> this is a great fucking game uh, all right fast times ridgemont high great 
dazed and confused. <laughs> Obviously, I'm still trying to live in high school, as you can see. <laughs> Great. Now I need something else completely different. Uh, let's see. I was going to say Can't Buy Me Love, but I lived that. That's um, right, Tucson, baby. <laughs> I lived that, man. I lived <laughs> swingers. <laughs> uh, it's just movies, not TV shows. Uh, yeah, just movies for this category. I'm going to go with like Tombstone. Oh, nice. Still got some. Did you Have you watched the Val Kilmer documentary? Oh, my God, yeah. It's so good. So good. And, man. yeah. I'm so, uh, that, uh, some, yeah. When he was, here's a ridiculous story. When he <laughs> was, again, 22, 23, and just like clamoring to meet and hang out with celebrities and whatever. Yeah. His assistant was somehow aware of, I, I think I DJed like one of her daughter's parties or something. And she's like, oh, I'm Val's assistant. Do you lifeguard? And I was like, yeah, I lifeguard. I was like, I don't lifeguard. <laughs> but I, <laughs> like I had CPR training at summer camp I was, as a counselor. I was like, yeah, I, I can do that. She goes, great. Val's son is having his sixth birthday at the oh Chateau. He pays 150 bucks. He needs a lifeguard. And I was like, oh, I'm in. Oh, my God. Because back great. then, $150 was Shit, like, yeah. fuck. And yeah. also, so it's I went, Chateau Marmont. It's Val Kilmer. <laughs> like, yeah. go for free. I know. And so I went to the Val Kilmer's, his kid, Jack, the kid who yes, narrates yes. that movie. I lifeguarded oh his sixth God. birthday party I at the Chateau that. Marmont. And Val was walking around. He looks at me. He goes, hey, man, do you have goggles? I'm like, no. He goes, do you have a whistle? I'm like, no. He goes, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so bad. I was like, oh, God, some kid like drowns, God forbid. I'm going to jail. Oh, anyway, I was just happy to meet <laughs> Val Kilmer. <laughs> That's a great story. Isn't that insane? Oh, that's a great story. Um, <laughs> the only other Chateau Marmont story I very recently was retold again because I asked to be told it again involved Quentin Tarantino sticking a woman's entire foot in his mouth. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Next category, <laughs> let's do. Next category, let's do three styles of dress that in this reality like perhaps people would think it was too costumish or they would assume you were cosplaying or something like that mm -hmm. but in this alternate universe like everything is the same level of comfort which is comfortable even if it's like a pirate outfit or right like, you know what i mean or like straight just like i was about to say prince's wardrobe and then i realized i had just said a pirate outfit which basically is prince's wardrobe <laughs> <Same thing>, right <laughs> And I love Prince. I'm not saying that, but I but sure, but, but sure. he he did love a billowy white shirt as do pirates. Um, mm. uh, so yeah, so it's like this like a style that you can have and just kind of try on, and nobody's gonna judge you for it. Like it's gonna be awesome. Ooh, three different types. Yeah. I mean, I gotta go like full on. I mean, it's basically how I dress anyway. Old West, like yeah. cowboy. I was hoping right? they'd say that. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I gotta go with that. I got to go with like the massive like athleisure movement, Great. like where it's just like leather sweatpants uh -huh. and whatever <laughs> Kanye is wearing at the moment. Beautiful. Yeezys, uh -huh. things that I just don't feel comfortable in, <laughs> yes. but I've always like been like, God, I'd be cool if I wore those. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I always liked Madonna's cone tits from her <laughs> Blonde Ambition tour. Great. <laughs> Great. Oh, well played. Okay, next category, <laughs> three foods that in this universe uh, we're removing any, like, it's too bad, it's too fatty for you, or you're allergic to it, or you feel like it's ecologically, you know, not a good idea to have. Uh, I'm not saying, like, eat, you know, like elephants, but uh, that, you know, if you if, if you don't eat beef now, because for certain reasons, like, in this world, right. all of that sort of disappears. Everything's safe, fine, and good, and no one's getting hurt from it. Um, and you can have it in perpetuity, like, at the snap, at snap of your fingers. Not that it's going to be the only thing you eat, but it's like, if you love this specific taco from so-and-so, like, you can have that uh, whenever you want it, wherever you are. Three. Hmm. Damn. I don't really, luckily, I don't have any food, like, issues yet. Yeah, You know, right, we're getting right. old, but. All right. I have to go with those, like, bacon-wrapped street dogs you get oh, outside shit, of Staples yeah. Center. Absolutely. You know? Those are, they always smell better than they taste, but it's, like, worth it for two bites. Yes, yes. Um. So that, for sure. Oh, uh, I'll go with El Charo in Tucson's Carne Seca. Nice. Right? Yes, indeed. Gotta do that. And then, uh. I'm just trying to think of things that I used to eat all the time that I just cannot. I mean, I'm dude, I'm I'm still uh, I'm still down with a Big Mac yeah, every once great. in a while. Like, you know, I'll do it. Great. Throw it in there. Great. 
Um, no, I like. I'm pretty sure I would put like JB's Sunday Bar on mine. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> Tucson, just hanging out with Derek Ettinger, eating su- like three Sundays in a row. Yeah. In a booth. The, the unlimited soup plantation. Unlimited soup plantation. Or super salad like exactly. Sunday Bar. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I should have done a sweet. Oh well. Like an EG's uh, slushy or something. Oh, my God. Oh, well. oh, my God. Yeah, my heart would explode if I had an EG's now. It for <laughs> sure would. Um, okay, great. Uh, next category, let's do three places in the world that we're going to give you kind of a vacation home or a second home. Mm. Uh, and we're just going to pretend we can teleport you there so you don't even have to worry about the travel. Oh, man. Greece. Great. Some island in Greece, 100%. Um, I mean, I'm kind of into Europe these days, but I'll, I'll also do like – I'll put – Something like, I mean, Italy and Greece are kind of similar, right? Like Lake Como area. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I would say that for sure. Sure. And then um, San Francisco, man, fog. I like fog. I love um, that fog. But I, I would say Napa Valley, like up there, Sonoma Valley, County, up yeah. wine country area. Absolutely. Great. Okay. All right. All due respect to your beautiful wife. In MASH, we do have our alternate universe romances. Three people. It could be characters from films, characters from books, cartoons, You'd be surprised at how many people say they want to be in a relationship with the cartoon Robin Hood Fox. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. And so and it, or it can be like blah, blah, blah era Meryl Streep, you know. Uh, right. Three. Michelle Pfeiffer, Grease too. Oh, my God. Great, great, great. <laughs> like it's a no brainer. No brainer. <laughs> um, I mean, does everyone do famous people? or No, you're right. Animated people are in there, huh? Oh, yeah. Comic book characters. I mean, I mean, you name it. It's all been in there. How about this? Like, Dancing in the Dark era Courtney Cox. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. You know? Yeah. Just for, just for those dance moves. Oh, hell yeah. And then maybe like Married with Children era Christina Applegate. Great. Am I shit? This is very shallow. <laughs> this is extremely shallow. You're revisiting old crushes and that is and perfectly And 1992 legit. Janet <laughs> Barney. <laughs> Yeah, I was. I peaked in 1992. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, I mean, listen. I have. I if I haven't already posted our prom picture somewhere, don't worry because oh, so that good. will definitely make an appearance. Um, so your hair is like on oh point. Nine oh two one oh. Dude, it was like the Luke Perryest hair uh-huh. of all time that year. <laughs> I think I even wrote another journal entry. I was like, I got. I took Janet to the prom. She looked beautiful in her vintage dress. I looked like fucking Luke Perry. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a huge peace. achievement. That's a huge achievement. No, then. this is what we had Absolutely. in Tucson. Absolutely. People. Absolutely. Okay. Three alternate universe careers. Um, and it could be, you know, you become an organic farmer in Santa Cruz to you're a famous white rapper to, you know, <laughs> right. you are an astronaut, whatever. You're a fireman. Um, I think one, uh, some sort of like respected, um, able to make a living at it novelist. Great. And you wrote a book, and I haven't read it yet, and I, I'm so excited to read it. And Jonas Leyenhovit, who is extremely yeah. critical and has a very high bar, thinks it's great. And so I'm very excited to read it because... Do you have it? I no, I don't have it. I'll either send you one or whatever you want to do. I, mean, I can drop I'm it in a free to, book. I'm happy to order a free it library and also. Um, it's on Amazon. Okay, I'm gonna get Austin it. Translation. Torin just read it. Great. He dug it. He dug it. Um, I don't know. I do like that idea. Like as you get older, I think being less active and being a little more like I'm just living in front of the laptop today, (laughs) writing a book and here's my new one. Absolutely. Um, okay. So that's one. I think, um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't really have a lot of ambitions beyond creativity in my life, which is sort of weird. Oh, I don't know about that. Mm. I mean, you know, know, that's, I think that's, that's all great. I mean, I still have like this part of me wants to have like a really cool like boutique store of home goods oh, in yeah. San Francisco, oh, totally. you know, like totally. the sort of but 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 like in this mash game, I, I remove all of the yeah, but some of that sounds like it could be a real headache or really stressful if the store wasn't doing well. Like right. I just oh, pretend I all of that it. is like totally taken care of and fine. So I would have like a tchotchke store like there I have go. so many stupid things like, oh, here's an original tribe called Quest 
beat whatever tour poster right. that I framed right. in college that I still have up in my house. Like I would love to sell that Great. for what I think it's worth. Great. Uh, you know, like I have baseball cards that are worth hundreds of dollars. Like I could just sell those. Yeah. But instead on eBay, they're four dollars. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like some sort of like vi- vintage vinyl clothing store owner, like Slobby Robbie. Oh, in great! Like I that. love that. Okay. And then uh, I don't know. I always wanted to like. I guess if I had the ability to be like some sort of water guy, like a boat captain, like a dude who sails people oh, sure, around the world, sure, like parasailing and shit. Oh, great. And, like, like those guys in Outer Banks, yep. just with skills, skills beyond what I have. Like they're able to operate heavy machinery. Yeah, they might know. even own a pair of goggles or a whistle. I'm not sure. Sure. Oh, uh, hey, <laughs> you, got, you got goggles, bro? No. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh. Getting 150 bucks and meeting uh, Val Kilmer <laughs> and being berated <laughs> by Val Kilmer. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, and then finally, let's do. I want to do for you okay well let's do you've brought up tv shows so let me let's let's do like a tv show character or family and family is loosely defined as like it could be you know the family of wkrp in cincinnati which i've never seen so i'm not sure why i brought that up but uh (laughs) or it could be you know the married with children family or it could be growing pains um four four or it could just be like colombo but four kind of like or three uh like like TV families, quote unquote, that you would love to be able to chill with it. Oh man, uh, man. I guess I still even. Oh, okay. Uh, Tim Riggins in Friday Night Lights. Oh, nice. Or actually, let's just say Coach Taylor's yeah. family. Like Great. just to be around the Friday Night Lights world would be pretty fantastic. There you go, love it. I'll take Chef Bullock's family from uh, Deadwood. Oh, chef, great. Sheriff Bullock, oh, Chef great. Bullock, Sheriff, yeah, Timothy, uh, yeah, Oliphant's family, yeah, that was a disaster. His wife was addicted to opium. <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, <laughs> and then uh, just for fun, let's just uh, let's do David Silver's family from nine hundred two one zero. Great, <laughs> Doctor Silver. I'm trying to think. I of basically David Silver's yeah. family. Did I you know, just describe your family in TV? Version? Pretty much. <laughs> I had three earrings in high school. Remember. Great. <laughs> fantastic okay uh give me a number between one and seven three okay i'm gonna do some very important calculations that will Mm -hmm. guarantee what you end up with for your mash alternate universe this is a prime time for you to uh regale people with some of the various and sundry things that we've talked about um and everyone get your pencil and paper out because zach as we've already discussed like me tends to have a lot going on so whatever you want people to know about i think you should tell them about the book and like revisit that talk about the new album uh anything else that you want to talk about very i mean listen you're not gonna be you're not gonna be vamping for five minutes so don't worry about that right are you count are you doing it i am it's all you yeah uh hey guys (laughs) so janet (laughs) um janet and i go back till we were 13 years old and we had mutual crushes on each other and here we are still in this business um i have a book out called austin translation it's a true crime murder comedy about a podcaster who goes to austin texas for work and ends up getting accused of a murder and he has to use his amateur sleuthing skills to get himself out and uh it's on amazon my name is zach selwyn if you can't spell that that's okay i understand um i also have a new record out with my band zachariah and the lobos riders it's called firing squad it's actually part of an unreleased musical that i never quite finished oh wow i didn't know that that's uh, great yeah it's uh it's cool man music's really good it's a great record and it's streaming and if you like any of that music you'll probably like the rest of my music and uh that's about all i got going on i mean i'm you know i work in the scripted podcasting world these days as well which uh we have a new thing out called strawberry spring there's a Stephen King short story oh, cool. that I helped uh, produce, and I have a couple small roles in. Oh, right on. And, uh, you know, a lot going on. But those those two things, the, the novel and the record, yeah. are really what I'm I'm, lucky, I'm loving right now. Go get it, everybody. So well, let me guess. I live in a shack. I married Christina Applegate. Well, I'm a- <laughs> one of those things is true, but I'll save which one of them until further in. Since okay. you were so bold as to start taking wild stabs as to what you thought you would end up with. First of all, I want to congratulate you for your beautiful vacation home in Napa Valley. 
Hey. Very classy, very beautiful. I can definitely see you and Bob Dylan up there in like this ah. sort of sunlit yet also foggy lit studio. Uh, you know, r- putting down some sweet sweet tracks. Um, I also want to congratulate you. I'm mean, listen. I don't know. Napa is not terribly far from the Pacific Ocean. Uh, I do know that you have a, kind of an amazing career taking people all over or traveling yourself as a. And I did write boat captain, even though that sure. sounds almost too <laughs> generic. What you described following the words boat captain were a lot cooler than the actual words boat captain, but we were all there for it. So we know what it really means. I just want to be called captain. Yeah, that's right. That's it. So captain, captain, like folks on Outer Banks, uh, you are going to be very, very busy and uh, working up an appetite. I want you to rest assured you can have limitless Big Macs with zero ramifications oh, to anyone. Yes. Uh, you also have the, <laughs> you also have the ability to jump into Tombstone whenever you All want, right. which is also very cool. Talk about a, a world changer. Uh, you have a house in Napa. I don't know if I said that, but it is not a mansion okay, apartment yeah, or no. shack. It's just a wonderful house. And you do share it with Christina Applegate, <laughs> circa <laughs> married with children. I don't know how your other family, David Silver's family, feels about her, but I hope <laughs> that it's harmonious and that everybody has a great time being around each other, uh, especially since you are known to wear Madonna's cone tits <laughs> from time to time as part of your style. <laughs> Oh that... well, my love, my I love my alt universe life. <laughs> Things worked out just how I planned. Aye, aye, sir. And then just they gently touch the cone, one of the cones. That's it um, for good luck. Um, well, this has been so much fun, buddy. It has been really, really great catching up and just talking about that stuff. I know we could put out like we seriously could just Man. do like a whole series on weird high school great times or yeah. I mean, the Honestly. idea of writing a movie about. Camp Anytown has become very interesting to me since this conversation began. I'm 100% with you. I, I'm with it. I'm, dude, let's collab. Let's collab. Uh, <sighs> yeah. And you are. One of these days we'll figure oh, it out. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and it will be like in between. I'll be like, well, I opened a bead store. And you'll be like, cool. <laughs> I, I just started painting oils. Uh, and we'll be like, somehow we'll fit it in because why are we doing all these various things? Um, I want you to paint me like one of your French girls, Zach. <laughs> Wait, what? That's right. <laughs> uh, this has been wonderful. And what a great way to round out boys of summer. You are my final boy of summer. I do invite my boys of summer guests, if they can, off the top of their head. Remember, I've never been more sure that someone does know this song, I do invite my male guest to sing a little snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Oh, man. Nobody on the road. Nobody on the beach. I feel it in the air. It's almost out of reach. Empty lake, empty streets. The sun goes down alone. Yeah. Driving by your house. Lord knows you're not old. I can see you. Brown skin shining in the sun. You got your hair combed back and wafers on, baby. Damn, what a song. Great. That was great. I, you actually Man. knew it and sang it and did great. And I am very, very excited. That to could be. Yeah, I'm happy to have crushed a little Boys of Summer at the end. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Man. Thank you, Dude, my much friend. much love. Much love, Janet. You, this is awesome. So great talking to you. We have more catching up to do down the, yes, down the highway. So yes, uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. All right, buddy. Everybody, thanks right. so much for listening to the podcast. I will talk to you next week. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Go and get us back to the
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.